Welcome to the Welly Sport Podcast, where our aim is to provide interesting sports and performance-related conversations with anyone from the world of sport, including old Wellingtonians now involved in sport or other individuals who now work within performance environments. For this episode, your hosts are me, Mr. Pratt, and Amelia in the lower sixth. And later in the episode, we will be joined by today's guest, Mr. Ollie Johnson, who I will give you a little bit of background on when we get to meeting him in due course. But before we get stuck in, obviously, we wish um, everyone sort of the best at home in lockdown, and we hope everyone's trying their best to sort of stay physically active um, uh, and sort of look after themselves in the circumstances we find ourselves in. So, Let's get straight into things. Amelia, would you like to introduce yourself, uh, maybe talk about your own background, your sporting background, musical experiences and and anything else you've been sort of up to within lockdown recently? Yeah, sure, of course. So um, I'm Amelia. I'm in Lower Sixth at Wellington at the moment. Uh, In terms of my sporting background, I've been a keen county hockey player for many years and I more recently got into long distance running. So um, I ran my first half marathon in the last lockdown. And my proudest moment with my running so far was when I ran my personal best. And I also came the third woman in the Richmond Riverside 10K. Um, And this was the last race that happened before the lockdowns and um, all of that subsequent time where there was no races. So that's a a really important moment for me. Um, I just generally love sport. I mean, I've dabbled in mountain biking, cycling, and I've even started weight training in the most recent lockdown. Um, In addition to sports, I also love music. Um, I play the electric guitar, uh, enough piano to get by, but my interests lie most heavily in singing. So I enjoy singing classical and musical theatre, but I generally just love to sing all styles now and then. I'm a part of the National Youth Training Choir of Great Britain, the Chapel Choir, and I'm a member of Wellington's a cappella group, the Wellingtones. In the latest lockdown, I've been making frequent use of my treadmill, focusing on shorter distances to improve my speed and running, all whilst preparing for various musical examinations, and also generally singing and playing for my own enjoyment and just to relax. Clearly keeping yourself very busy in lockdown and I can see probably once we get into this, um, your musical background, you may well have a bit more to speak with Ollie about than I do, given my uh, very limited musical background. <laughs> um, thank you. So um, I'll, I'll introduce our guest and then and then we can start um, picking his brain about some of his background. So our guest today, as I've said already, is Mr. Oliver Johnson, who is an internationally renowned tenor, um, a graduate and an associate of the Royal Academy of Music. Um, and Ollie has enjoyed a career singing in opera houses and concert halls around the world. Um, highlights for him include making debuts in New York, Japan, New Zealand, Russia and Armenia. He also works extensively throughout Europe and the UK with companies such as, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Ollie, and you'll probably have to correct me in due course, <laughs> Opera di Roma in Italy, the Salzburg Festival, Teatro Real Madrid, Glyndenbourne, Opera Nacional de Leon, Garsington and Opera North. Other recent and future highlights from him include making his South American debut in Sao Paulo and appearing as a soloist at the BBC last night of the proms. So with no further ado, Ollie, welcome to the Welly Sport Podcast. I hope I got those pronunciations correct. You did very well. You did very well. I thought I was, I thought I was in Rome then. <laughs> perfect um, Italian, perfect Spanish. I loved it. 
Excellent. Thank you. Well, I think before we get into too much of the detail, let's well, let's start with sort of trying to learn a bit about you on a slightly more comical front, I guess. If um if I ask you the question, you go into the desert island, the classic one, what what three things would you tell the listeners you would take would you would take with you? Okay, so I think first thing would have to be my running trainers. As Mr. Pratt would attest, he's seen me plodding around Wellington College grounds a few times. So I, like 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 you both, actually enjoy a little bit of a, a jog. So good I think you have to have that. Obviously, a good answer for for a sport style. Yeah, class. exactly. <laughs> Next, I think it'd be some kind of if I'm allowed it, some kind of device to play music, because I think I'd be a I'd be pretty stuffed if I didn't have um something to listen to some some music on um so yeah something like that and then probably my final one would be a big slab of milky bar chocolate Good. now i have the taste of a five-year-old <laughs> pretty pathetic but um, i love i love milky bar chocolate you just can't beat it so yeah they're my three Nice. I, I I always enjoy the answers which come back on this one. Like when you said a musical device, I was hoping you were gonna say like you're gonna take like a grand piano or something yeah. like that. <laughs> that would be great, but I'm absolutely terrible at the piano, so it'd be great but, if I could bring someone on to play it for me, but Yeah, they, so you take a grand piano and someone to play it with you. Like no one ever says that. No one ever says that they'll take take an actual human being with them to keep them company or anything yeah. like that. I don't know the rules are. You haven't made the rules clear here, Mr. Yeah. So. Sorry, I should have I should have put more boundaries around it, shouldn't I? Yes. Um, the, the the chocolate sweet tooth is that is that a performance performance nutrition before you're before you're out on stage or is of it? Of course, a, yeah, a, you've got all the all the main nutrients in it. You've got a good <laughs> bit of protein in there, you know. It's <laughs> um, cool. Well, thanks for that, Ollie. Um, if we sort of probably get get into things, do you, do you want to um? Do you want to just sort of give the listeners a, a bit about your own background, how you got into it got into opera singing, I guess, to, to where you've got to now with your career? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I was um, <clears throat> I was born and raised in North London um, and I'm from a relatively ordinary background. I wasn't didn't really have any opera or classical music in my family. We didn't really listen to it at all. Um, so I but I've, I've always I've always loved singing. And um, when I when I was tiny, I used to I remember I used to sing along to an ancient um VHS a recording of Oliver Twist. I used to sing along to it when I was tiny. My, my mum used to think, oh, he likes singing. He enjoys it. He enjoys <laughs> it. Um, and then I remember I was made to sing um, the school solo in my primary school one Christmas. And after that, um, people said, oh, you should start taking this a bit more seriously. Join a choir. So uh, I joined a local choir called the New London Children's Choir up in Highgate. And uh, from there, I kind of... Um, they're an amazing choir and they just complete uh, that that's my life really changed from there um they kind of i remember the weekend after i i joined them i was singing in a con uh, a concert at the barbican which is a big music hall in the city of london and it kind of my world just expanded like tenfold i discovered this whole new world with all these new people this new kind of art form and it it really changed my life um and and they did lots of films they did lots of tv we did lots of recording sessions and, and through that I got auditions to sing in children's choruses in the opera at, at the opera houses in London. And, uh, and, and that's where I, and I actually earned money from that as, as a young kid. So um, I, and I realized that you can make a living from it. it I just thought, right, I'm hooked. I want to do this when I'm older. Yeah. 
But unfortunately, when as being a boy, when you're kind of 12 or 13, your voice breaks. Yeah. So uh, you have a very squeaky voice for about two or two or three years and, and it, it doesn't really settle. So um, I didn't start singing again then until I was 15. And I, I took a few lessons and realized that I loved it again. Try and learn how to sing with this new voice you have. So did, um, so did you, you literally had to, that, that sounds like you almost literally had like a, a two or three window two or three year window almost away from singing in that way yeah it, and it actually it was really tough because it was it was my whole life I used to do if I, I was doing a show like I'd have to sing four four evenings a week I'd have to travel into London do a show come back and then go to school and stuff so it was a massive gap in my life and I couldn't couldn't carry it on or anything but um but I I, I actually took up um hammer I, I threw uh, like field events so for Shaftesbury Bryant Harriers um I used to throw the hammer and stuff, so it took up a bit of time for me, at least filled in a filled in a gap. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was, it was it was tough. But then I kind of started again when I was fifteen, and um, and and I remember seeing a, a news segment on BBC London News. Um, of, I don't know if you guys have heard of Catherine Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, she's a classical singer, and, she, and it, the news segment was she had just got a scholarship to the Royal Academy of Music. So I was like, oh, this that place looks really cool. So I researched it and realised they had a Saturday school. So I was like, okay, I'm going to audition for them. So audition for them, got in, uh, did my Saturday schools there, and then uh, eventually uh, auditioned for the Senior Academy. Um, I managed to get a scholarship there and uh, ended up staying there for eight years. Did my BMAS, did my Masters there, did my Advanced Diploma in Opera Studies. And uh, while I was there, I managed to get an agent. Um, and also you you work, while, while you're a student, you often will work for Glyndebourne, uh, in the summer or Garsington and get small roles and um, understudy contracts and stuff. So you build tentative relationships with these companies. And then um, by the time I left, I had an agent. I had these uh, relationships with a few companies and you gradually just get more and more work, small roles, build things up. Um, and yeah, yeah. And that, that's kind of led to where I am now in a very quick <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. abbreviated down yeah, exactly. into, into, into a two-minute monologue perfect no, exactly no, that that's great and and, and it, i'm sure it's, it's really interesting always to hear people's pathways in there and i think it's it's cool to kind of hear the variety it sounded like you experienced at a really young age and and i guess it's probably quite surprising but maybe that's also a comparison to sport sort of um, variety that people experience when they're young and then maybe a little period for some reason where they kind of drift away from certain activities and, and I guess what you referenced there with the sort of the singing stuff is kind of that the physical change through maturation which I guess you could draw parallels with sport as well and then as you then got a bit older you kind of focused in on and what you what what, what your sort of passion was as such. Um, yeah I've, I think it must be really tough for for sportsmen and women as well I mean you because your body changes so much over those years doesn't it yeah. and it's, it's kind of get, getting used to to getting to know your body and and developing and, and that's the same very much the same as a singer and I, I'm sure it, it definitely happens with women as well with their voices they they mature and they um and they change as well so it, I think it's good to have a bit of time away from something and and you realize that you have a real passion for it as well it's a it, it's, it's a good good thing sometimes were you always drawn to opera as a genre over other other forms like uh, obviously popular music and classical music? But why why did opera do it for you? Um, that's a good question. I, 
I I've never ever been able to sing pop. I'm so jealous that you that that, that you've that you can do it. Um, it's it, it's it's an amazing thing and musical theatre as well. It's, it it fit, to me it feels so different. I can't make those sounds at all. But you can make both. You're very lucky. <laughs> but yeah, for me personally, I think maybe it's just a phys- physically the way I'm built, the way my vocal fo- folds are built. But I can. I've only ever been able to sing classically. Uh, it just always just felt the, the most natural way for me. Mm. But um, I'm very jealous of people like you that could do everything. It's, uh, it's very impressive. But I, I suppose opera for me, and, and uh, obviously song, opera, uh, classical music, for me, it's just, um, it, it's an amazing art form because it marries everything. It marries acting, um, uh, language, musicality, vocal uh, technique, stamina, all of those things. It's it's, it's just a really interesting uh, thing. Not, not that the others don't, but it's just, um, for me, it just seems like a natural fit. I don't know why. Uh, and it's it's quite epic as well. It's that quite appeals to me. These massive, yeah, like, massive. Yeah, definitely. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Did but you have no, any exactly. particular challenges in, in reaching where you are now in, in opera? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you mentioned that that time when your voice was breaking and changing. So that is a, a period that it must have been quite hard for you because I know that I rely on singing and being able to express myself in that way. And it must be quite hard to have this gap. Where you're like, what What do I do now? Yeah, I think I think I think that 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 was a tough time. Um, but it, it's also good to to realise that you're not just a singer and that isn't. You're, you, you're not just a singer and you do have other things in your life. And sometimes you have to remind that, remind yourself that actually you have a family, you have friends. It's, it's not just, you're not just a singer. That isn't the thing that defines you. And I think in, in lots of things, actually, it, it, even in a lot of sportsmen probably just get so um, into the, their passion. And that's a great thing. But also it's good to remember that you are a human being and you have, and there are, are other, other parts to your life um, and to, li- to kind of live as, as best you can a balanced, balanced life. That definitely taught me that. Um, but the, the challenges, I think the biggest challenge uh, being a singer is dealing with disappointment. It's such a massive part of um, a singer's life. I, I remember at college, my teacher said to me, now, when you leave college, you have to remember that you're going to be auditioning a lot. And if you get one out of 10 auditions, you'll be doing well. So if, if we're working on that basis, I need to, I should be happy if I'm 90% of the time, if I'm disappointed. So it's not really a good, uh, like, benchmark to live off. So you have to learn. And, and also, it's a very personal thing, seeing because you're producing this sound out of your own body. And if somebody doesn't like it, then it's, it can be really, you can take it so personally. It's such a personal thing. It's very vulnerable as well. You're on stage. Um, so like learning learning to deal with that disappointment because you are going to feel it is definitely something which I've had to to deal with and and not let it stop um affect your motivation and your determination to succeed as a singer which is really 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 hard really hard but I but I I kind of developed a, a few things to kind of get over that and um I I I always in my own head like a that terrible old cliche of like it doesn't matter how many times you've you fail as long as you get up and dust yourself down sort of thing and and also remembering like um your journey is 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 so different to everybody else's and you have to focus on your own path because it 
it can meander all over the place. It's never just um, in an upward straight line. It's very complicated. And and also just as just as a singer, sorry, I'm waffling on, but uh, just as a singer, like I've I've always felt like particularly if, if you're kind of an artist and you're depicting certain characters and you're you're trying to like um, have a make a comment on being a human being, it it is actually quite a good thing to have just to deal with disappointment. It makes you more an, an interesting artist. It makes you more three D, more complex and. Yeah, it makes you. It almost makes you more kind of human because you've experienced um, a wide range of emotion. It's, I, yeah, I, I always feel like the battle scars are the things which um, which make us who we are, kind of thing. I, I think you, you've touched on so many interesting things there. Really. I, I love that you. I'm going to steal your phrase there, and you hear it. Yeah, sort of maybe used in, in other environments now the idea that sort of what you do there is as a career whether it's music film sport whatever that it doesn't define you and that it's actually kind of the journey you're on that is the thing that's probably you learn from and that's enjoyable and that kind of setback is part of it I mean you said there what <laughs> getting one in ten auditions that that process of kind of um needing to go in there positive and in the right frame of mind must be so difficult when you kind of those stats are the way they are because unfortunately that's probably the nature of the beast and it's really kind of um you know difficult to to get when the clip we we listen to you at the start there's there's one per or there's one male singer up there and and there's probably i don't know how many people going for that role and i guess that's quite similar to that sporting scenario as well where kind of most people, apart from those people who are the super elite in their field, most of the time we do experience more downs in in sport as well than you do those highs. Um, oh, it, definitely, yeah. Is it, it looking kind of on everything you've done? Is there anything that you're sort of um, most proud about in your career today? I think, uh, kind of career-wise, it's probably the times because um, I, I usually sing in German, Italian. Uh, and English really I don't do a huge amount of French um they're the kind of languages that I've kind of focused in on mostly and and uh recently I've had to learn like some quite big roles in Czech and Russian okay so the like to to my mind these kind of very alien sounding languages because they don't have any kind there's no real relation kind of thing so um looking at that page it just looks completely crazy to me and I'm I'm like how is my brain going to remember that but kind of working on it over a long time, that painful process. And ultimately, when you actually get it on stage and you've remembered like two or two to three hours of Czech or, or Russian, plus all the staging, plus singing it, and and you get through it and you haven't made too many mistakes. And that that's a moment where you're like, wow, I'm really, I'm really proud that I actually got through that. Because at the start, I would never have thought my brain could remember those things but um I completely understand I've I mean I've I've sung in like German French Italian Italian is probably my favorite singing it sounds it's yeah. just lovely I love the way that it feels when you sing it but I mean I've never got the hang of French I've been singing a song called Au Bord de Law and I just can't get it's some of the and all of those kind of sounds just so hard as an English person you know everybody speaks English so you don't have to really um try and learn other languages so like dedicated as um other cultures and um other language speakers so it it is really hard and Czech and Russian I can't imagine and three hours of that it must be so hard no I mean 
French, I would say French actually is is the trickiest because actually, um, I don't want to I don't want to sound bad, but actually, like uh, my, most French sing when I've worked in France, they always say to they always say if you're not French, don't sing French in France because the French will kind of pick your fr your French apart. So you do <laughs> I completely sympathise with you. They're very picky. And rightly so, because it's such a beautiful language, but they don't like it when you get it wrong. So uh, I think I think you're smart there. But with Czech and Russian, you could get away with it a bit more because there's not too many people in the UK that can speak Russian and Czech. <laughs> when um, uh, I'll show I'll show my naivety here, and and you guys will be able to tell me differently. But so you're talking about there singing different languages, would you? Would you fully understand everything you're singing? Would you be able to translate it, or is it a case that you sort of you learn, you sort of just learn what it sounds like to be able to sing it back? Or do you have a sort of full understanding of what you're singing? I don't, you, maybe, you, uh, Ollie, I'm looking at you here. I don't know if you're sort of thinking, oh, crikey, I have to, you know, I meant, the, the answer is yes, I'm meant to, but I don't, I don't know sort of um, what, what the process is, whether or not you do understand it in sort of fluent terms or not. Yeah, I think, yeah, go, go on a minute, yeah. What, yeah, what I mean, I think that it is quite important to actually understand what you're singing about because if you are performing it you know if you don't understand the emotions and the, the kind of the thought processes yeah. behind the emotions that is coming through the song how are you going to be able to form, perform it and I mean so many classical and opera songs are just so beautiful it really wouldn't do it justice to sing it without actually understanding what you're saying. It's that sort of rounded performance element isn't it I think you're you're hinting at there isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, it's it's complete. I mean, it's it's the first thing that you do when when you're learning a song or or an opera. The first thing you do is write the whole thing up and tran translate word for word, then poetically, um, because it, if you didn't have the text, then the whole thing's pointless. You know, you have to you have to actually be saying something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a. Yeah, the lesson lesson one. Yeah, I learned at college definitely. Learn it, translate it. Um, it's, you you said they're sort of writing stuff out, and and I'm going to go back to something else you said earlier. Sort of being kind of vulnerable on stage. Um, well, what I'm interested to know is there that you've sort of written it out as a bit of preparation in order to, I guess, to make you feel more comfortable on stage. What what does preparation look like for you? And I guess I'm thinking, you know, compare it to sort of people talking sport about um, not leaving any to stone unturned in terms of going through every minute detail. But for you, what does what would preparation look like leading into leading into a performance? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's exactly the same as sport. I mean, you're, yeah, no no stone unturned. You're, I mean, the first thing, that I, I'd probably get a call from my agent saying, do you want to sing this? Then I'll quickly check it, make sure that it's the, it will suit my voice, it's the right range. Then I will, um, if, I, if I like it, then I will say yes, and then I'll translate it word for word if it's a different language. Uh, and then kind of contextualise it in terms of like the historic where, where it lies historically and then uh, if it's within an opera if it's within a song cycle you will kind of contextualize it there and then you learn how to sing it you learn the notes and then you kind of have to marry them together at the end of it and it's a it's a long old process and like as I'm getting older I just realize how much more important it is to prepare like I prepare so much more now than I did even a year ago it's so important it, it that is the most important thing um, to the whole process, it, it, and if, if we're talking about kind of 
feeling kind of anxious in in on the performance day or something like that it's most of it will go back to if you've prepared properly um you if, if you've prepared properly you'll have nerves but you won't it won't be the same level of anxiety as if you haven't done the work it, it, it is so important to do that yeah I mean even though um like you say you prepare as much as you can and you know you still get that kind of nervous feeling you still um do you often find that you still find you've got pressure you feel like that there's pressure on you to perform well I mean be that pressure that's put on by yourself or you know by the um your agents or anybody else who's performing with you do you do you kind of feel that oh yeah definitely yeah yeah I mean there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure, particularly when you're when when you do it as a job, because you realise that um, people are judging you and people might be potentially employing you. Or and it, it's a very small world, the opera world. I mean, if you if you if you if you sing badly, people the the probably people will hear about it. You'll get a bad review. It's out there for everyone to see. Especially these days, when people are, when you're filming recordings, if you do a bad recording, it's there forever. It's quite scary. Um, yeah. is, is there anything that you do to kind of cope with that? Like, you've, have you got a mantra or like a breathing technique or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a tricky one, isn't it? Like being being nervous and and dealing with the pressure. I mean, I'm sure it's exactly the same for sports for sports people. But these, I mean, I mean, there's the, the things I've picked up along the way to like deal with nerves and stuff. But ultimately. Um, it is good to feel nervous a little bit. I mean, nerves are a good thing. They're kind of, they're a, there's something, there's something we've evolved over time, and they they help you focus. But ultimately, you have to learn how to manage them. And for like like I, I touched on before, like preparation is the key thing for me. And it's having that kind of it's exactly the same sportsman having that muscle memory, um, and for singers like to know that that your muscles have done that that note or that kick or that swing. Um, hundreds of times and knowing that the muscle memory is there that's definitely the same for singers um another thing that i that i that i do a lot and i know uh, sportsmen as well definitely do this is like is like simulating uh the pressure before so and that kind of like visualization and i will like uh, i don't know a couple of weeks before a performance i will i, I do most of my practice in uh miss Gardner's house because it, it, it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere, so I can sing. Because I don't like to disturb the girls in the company, because we live at the top of the company. So I, I will, I'll be in Miss Gardner's front room, and I will visualise that I'm um, in the the concert hall or the opera house where I'm going to be doing the audition or the concert, and I will literally run run it maybe five or six times, and just imagining that I'm there. I find that really helps. And I know lots of lots of people. I will sometimes perform in front of Miss Johnston as well. Um, like friends and family that's a really good idea to kind of get to that next level of simulation kind of but I'm, I mean I, if we're talking like closer to the time uh, closer to the performance on the day or just before you're about to go on stage or go onto that pitch to do a certain sport I, I always think the things that help help me is to not let your thoughts run away so um, it's, it's a funny one for me. Like if I'm sat on the side of the stage to go on to do an audition or something, my, my brain will be going, okay, you need to sing well. Otherwise you won't get a job and everyone will think you're rubbish and you won't have any money and that'll be the end of it. 
Whereas you just need to kind of slow things down, take a breath and go, okay, I just need to baby steps. I need to focus on, I'm going to sing this first aria as well as I can and not think too far ahead and just, yeah, slow things down. Just be completely in the moment, um, not in the future, not in the past, in the moment kind of thing. Mm. Ollie, yeah, I, it's a tricky, it's tricky. I, I think that that's so interesting, isn't it? Because how, how often do like people see the, and I'm going to sort of describe the end product, they, they'll see you on stage singing or they'll see sports people f- performing or actors and so on, or they may be acting slightly different because I guess you potentially in film anyway could have multiple takes of something, but they'll see that end performance and just assume that everyone is feeling fine inside. But when you hear sort of someone who is, has performed in in so many different locations and probably in front of huge audiences that it it's actually almost normal to experience those feelings and you're just sort of talking about trying to break it down and take it step by step um you make it look effortless it's amazing no i mean it uh nerves i i don't think i've ever met a singer that says or or i i'm not i'm not sure about sportsmen but um i i don't think your nerves ever go away or or actually um get any better I think you just learn how to manage them mm-hmm. so you learn so you and and, and it, it, it's like being a sportsman like putting yourself putting your muscles under under pressure and getting used to that um, it's exactly the same uh, with dealing with pressure I think it's good to put yourself under pressure as much as you can and and you learn ways of managing managing that pressure that's all but but yeah don't don't expect for for nerves to ever disappear because they they do tend to get worse because things things become more serious as you get older and and things mean more and you know that people are judging you because you have you start to develop a reputation and if you do badly it's all these mind games which you just have to not enter into and just be in the moment but it's easy to say also, i'm not saying that i do it every time i'm sure i <laughs> also sometimes you just you strangely you love that that kind of nervous feeling as well there's nothing for me, there's nothing like you're about the the curtains are about to open up. You're on the stage, the lights are about to come up. You know, you're about to walk on and and perform. It's it's opening night of the musical, and that that kind of adrenaline. It's just it's amazing. It's addictive. It's like sport as well. You know, there's nothing like just before that gun is about to go off in the race. That feeling is just almost euphoric sometimes. Yeah. Do you, do you get nervous before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, you sort of alluded to this in your um when you kind of told us your journey. I'm and that it sort of it it seems that while she had that little period maybe away from singing, that um singing and that sort of performing world is probably probably was your passion at school and kind of I guess looking back at your school days, I'm wondering um did, was there anybody in particular that kind of inspired you to to get into it? Did you have a favourite teacher at school or um, or anything along those lines that sort of drove not drove you but led you to the to the route you're on? I, I didn't I didn't love I, I'll be honest I didn't love my school it wasn't it wasn't a great school it was it was just a it was a regular massive okay, it's an academy now I think but it's just a big like two thousand student school up in north london you kind of got lost in it it wasn't very good it was a terrible music department that had like two pianos one of them was a honky tonk thing it wasn't that good but i think it was going to the junior junior academy um and the teachers that i had there and then my freshman my professor at the academy now um recently um was just 
they were just the most amazing teachers and they were just so um like generous like nurturing very kind they went above and beyond um and and i i think i think uh wellington to me it seems like it's all that it's full of teachers like that i mean every like i i don't think i don't think you'll teach at this school um unless you really wanted to like give everything because it's such an immersive place you, you're kind of living in it and I, I i definitely see from the teachers that it's a very that every everyone's here to give to go above and beyond and i i think that's a and so are the students as well i think you guys you guys just give it everything and i think that's that's fantastic i think that is the key to finding finding these passions and yeah and um developing your talents and stuff that's that's fantastic um ollie before before i sort of um i'll hand to amelia and then we'll sort of get get towards wrapping things up just sticking on those i think that's so it's so cool what you say that you know like how often in different environments do you find that staff and and teachers and coaches do those kind of ones that really kind of inspire us do go above and beyond but it's it's commitment both ways isn't it and i'm sure you getting to where you are you've been hugely committed amelia with her music and everything she's involved with at the moment and so many of the pupils at wellington on that front do commit so much time and energy into things just thinking about where you are now do you do you still have a, a coach or um somebody in particular that you would go to let's say you you finish an audition and, and it's um one of the 10 where you've been unsuccessful uh, <laughs> is there someone that you'd go to and go what do you reckon can you listen to this like is there something you you can hear in it you think i can improve is there someone you go to for that now yes yeah i mean you i always have a coach i always have a teacher um i've got some but i mean i'm very lucky in that uh, miss johnston was a um was an opera singer for 10 years or something before she became a teacher so um, it's fantastic having her to I can show her something or sing her something and she knows it she knows my voice better than anyone so she can say if it's right or if it's wrong and I'm I'm very lucky in that way but I I, I think you I think you're completely right you do need these these kind of mentors in your life that you trust their opinion but it's it, like you said it is a two-way relationship and um but it is important to keep those people and to have somebody's opinion that you trust in everything definitely yeah yeah so looking back to when when you were at school i mean is there anything that you would tell your past self to kind of help you now in terms of the journey that you've been on and developing your own singing yeah i think um i think i, I kind of touched on it before um so hopefully i'm not repeat, repeating myself too much but um i think i would say to myself um stop um comparing yourself so much to others because um at, at school I, I would i definitely would like say oh that guy's that guy's got an a or she's got an a as well i need to do just as well as them and actually it's not always that it's not always the people at school or at university who who are the top of the class that end up doing the best or having the dream career um everyone's shown is very different and you should i i would i would have said to myself just don't put the don't put too big a pressure on yourself um because everyone's past different and it, it's so hard these days with social media like um particularly in particularly in singing but for, for everyone because of singing like you're the business you're you need to promote yourself it's very self-promotional and there's loads of videos and pictures of yourself and everything it's, it's very yeah it's very strange and so it's very hard to like if you've got if you just had a really bad audition 
and then you just click on your phone and you see somebody oh they're singing there or this is me singing this amazingly it's really hard to kind of not get a bit upset and we haven't like evolved over time to to process that much information at one in one go you know what I mean with Instagram and usually I remember I'm old enough to remember a time without social media and we just used to get information for in drips and drabs it's much easier to process that but now it's so full-on and some sometimes I just have to come off social media particularly this last year because it's been so hard on the arts um I, I had like two years worth of work cancelled within the space of a couple of months and I just have to you just learn how to like manage that a bit and come off social media just kind of give yourself a break sometimes but I I, I would just go I, I'm one step further to my like what I would tell myself is um definitely it's something that I've learned particularly in singing is like your greatest asset as a singer but also as a person I think is your kind of your uniqueness and it's so important to develop a voice and work out what makes you tick at a young age I was lucky that I had singing but I think it's important for people and it it would be so easy I, I spent years and years trying to emulate certain singers and be a cheap imitation of them kind of thing but I've only just realized recently that in order to to make any kind of connection with anybody in an artistic way in a personal way is to be authentic and work out what you have you want to say to the world and um yeah yeah and I, I think if you're if you're authentic you will always make a a deeper connection than if you're trying to be a cheap imitation and comparing yourself to others and trying to be somebody else um that's that's something that i've only kind of learned in the last couple of years but definitely sorry long answer there no. <laughs> I think it, it, it's so cool isn't it you, you sort of um that that idea of sort of being authentic to yourself and and sort of being true to kind of who you are it probably it probably then makes it easier to deal with some of the other things we've referenced earlier like the disappointment which invariably comes around the pressure you experience when you're going out there because you're not trying to be something that you aren't potentially and I also think that the point you made about sort of dealing with social media and those aspects those ever-changing things in that world of performance where so easily now everyone's got a voice and everyone can immediately give you feedback on something yeah. that's traditional. everyone's a critic yeah yeah i guess <laughs> you probably originally could walk off stage and um i'll, I'll probably sort of go you know go right back here the the first bit of feedback you might get of of that nature from the public might be in a in a newspaper in the following days and so on but it was probably easier to process because you could you could read it in black and white and there wasn't someone on social media who'd taken a photo when you maybe slightly slipped or whatever it might be and um it probably just a bit easier to deal with back then but i guess it's just something new and, and different that you have to learn you have to learn to manage it because it can be it can be a great tool as well so i'm not it, it can be can be a very good thing to to use but um yeah you definitely have to manage it yeah <laughs> i can imagine um look we'll, uh, we'll we'll look to start wrapping things up but i'll ask you um I'll, I'll ask both of you some some questions here just to finish with and i think and normally um the question is looking at sort of who people's favorite um sporting athlete might be but i guess we can sort of branch branch this out and maybe sort of look at who your favorite either you might have a favorite sporting athlete but you might have a favorite sort of performer in general and and, and i'm just interested who that is and then potentially why that person as well so um ollie i don't know if you've got someone lined up and then we can buy buy amelia some thinking time unless she's got somebody ready to go do you know what i this is a sportsman actually that i Good love on. um Elliot uh, Kipchoge. 
the, okay. the marathon runner. Yeah. I, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit obsessed with him. He's amazing. I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the documentaries on his training camp. Like he like train like in, in in this day and age we're like with all the science, the nutrition, all these athletes living in like oxygen pressurized houses and all this. Yeah. Um and he like he trains on a on like a farm in Kenya, running around on like dirt roads. He gets back after a after his run and like has a cup of tea and some bread. And then he like cleans out the house all day. And I just find that he just works so hard. Uh, it, it, and it's all just about hard work with him. There's no gimmicks. He's just a man. He's like a, an athlete of substance. And isn't it? Yeah. Am I right? Isn't it him? You you might know this better than me. Isn't it him? He he actually trains at a camp, which is like ten minutes from where his his wife, his children, his family live. But he still takes himself to to just be in that really sort of isolated, hard work focused environment. I think that's him. that's him. Yeah, and then, and then he'll see them on a Sunday, but rest of the week, run, sleep, run, sleep. It's, he's, I find him amazing. Phenomenally driven. Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Interesting. I, I haven't had that one on, on before. Amelia, have you, have you got someone in mind? Yeah, I do. So um, my the favourite sports person that I have that kind of always sticks in my mind whenever I'm asked has got to be um, the racing car driver, Lewis Hamilton. Um, I feel like for me, it's just the fact that he is so consistently great and has basically learned to dominate his field is just so impressive for me and he's always so consistent basically whenever whenever he's on the track you're like oh god if, if Hamilton doesn't win it's a surprising result and the fact that also it's just not it's not just the fact that he's driving the McLaren it's also the fact that you know he has actually got some unique talent I mean because there was a period of time when McLaren cars are actually inferior to Ferrari and yet he still won the Grand Prix at that point so um, that for me is just so impressive and also in addition to that he's like been knighted and he worked on the Black Lives Matter campaign as well so to kind of have that duality of being so amazing in your field but also still finding time to actually care about issues that are bigger than yourself is really impressive for me yeah great choice great choice it's crazy. Isn't it? I you, I always look at somebody like him and I think what a great pick like in terms of what he's achieved in in the sport. But he's amazing in that environment, in his, in his actual sort of professional, if you for want of a better expression, day job. And then yet making such a difference elsewhere. You, I do sometimes wonder where these people find time to sleep or maybe relax or watch Netflix or something. How do they do it? No. It's amazing, isn't it? It's scary, isn't it? Um, as we're, we're ticking up to about 50 minutes here, we'll, if we wrap things up there, I think some 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 really cool stuff that's come out from from both of you here, sort of around those parallels in from the sort of performance world for you um, in opera, but to sport as well, which I think are, are directly comparable. You mentioned things around dealing with disappointment, um, enjoying the journey and, and learning and um, really identifying what sort of motivates you and that it's fine that people have different paths and I think all of that rings true to sport as well and I think it was so apt when you spoke about sort of visualizing controlling your thoughts leading into things all that we everything that would get spoken about in a sporting world as well um, and then just sort of touching upon looking at Kipchoge at the end and someone who puts in all that hard work which I'm sure Lewis Hamilton you know from a young age has been doing that and then having people around them that are super supportive and giving and sort of 
understanding you as a as a performer i think all incredible parallels to draw um which is which is brilliant um if we wrap things up there i hope the listeners find something enjoyable and uh, interesting to take out of your journey ollie amelia thank you so much for joining us and being our pupil guest interview today guys i hope everybody is staying safe um and healthy at home in the lockdown situation and thank you to both of you guys thank you great thank job thanks so much thanks for having me have a have a lovely weekend everyone see you later bye